0: Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training,
1: sir! Welcome to Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting.
0: And I am Sam with Bowser
1: Consulting. Sam and I just finished a fabulous conversation that we want you to listen in on. Okay, well, the whole purpose of us having the conversation was so that you could listen in on it. So why don't you sit back and enjoy conversation with Don May? It's our second time talking with Don. And we decided to also bring in his sister, Carrie, because Carrie's been on the show now a couple of times. Guest hosting for Sam, guest hosting for me. Being a guest now just being a little um, sibling on the
0: podcast. So uh, yeah, Carrie's been on four times and amazing as always she was this
1: time. Now, before I kick it off to the fabulous interview, if you're a GM, we've got stuff for you in this. If you're an above store, we've got stuff for you. And if you're a franchisee, we've got stuff for you. So this is one of those, whoever you are listening, we've got something for this in you. And by the way, for those of you that are listening that aren't in the pizza biz, there's still stuff in this for you.
0: Yeah, this is a good one. Lucas, drop us some uh, Stevie Nicks. You can talk to, me.
1: talk to me. You can talk to me. In this fabulous episode, we are joined for the second time by... I guess we can say world-renowned guest at this point. I think that's fair to say. Don May, how are you doing today? I'm fantastic. How are you guys?
0: We're pretty excited to have you on for the second time. And, you know, as Drew and I were talking before you got on, we decided to uh, kind of start it this way. I think the last time we were face-to-face, Don, was in Las Vegas. And we were trying to see if we could garner a favor from you and uh get your mutual friend John Gordon on with us. And you looked at me and you said, Sam, what you need to do is have me on again. To which I said, we can make that happen. So uh so, so that's for the meeting. And and like I said, uh Carrie just joined us. Carrie, how are you?
2: Hey, how's it going? Well, you're the brave one having us both on the same phone call. Well, um, I I will tell you, I was uh I'm I'm
0: interested to see what goes down here. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs>
1: Already checked the boxes on Spotify for explicit content warning, so we're fine.
0: Yeah, yeah, there you go. Especially from you, <laughs> Gary. So Don, we got together at uh, at the rally, and you said have us on, have me on again. So, so here we are. What's what's new in Domino's Pizza Enterprises since the last time we talked about eighteen months ago?
3: Um, well, we've added four markets. So we added Taiwan last September. Uh, last week, we were able to add the markets of Malaysia and Singapore, and then in January, uh, we'll be adding Cambodia. So we're now in 13 markets with just over 3,750 stores. Um, so that's from a that's from a macro point of view, from a, you know, obviously the world just continues to be in a, a frenzy over ebbs and flows of change and, you know, infla- dealing with inflation, uh, you know, especially in Europe where right on the doorstep, of the crisis um, in Ukraine, and uh, that's where the epicenter for our business is in inflation, um, particularly in in places like Germany, the Netherlands, um, where we've seen in Germany, you know, inflation over twenty percent. So it's been uh, really material. I mean, I'm talking about it at a, a dominoes level between energy costs and and food and labor. Um, you know, one of the, the challenging things for our team this winter is energy costs are up. You know, five to six times, so five or six hundred percent. So you can imagine Europe's quite cold and getting colder right now. And quite frankly, most people can't afford to run their energy because it's uh, you know. So for people that are you know our team members that are going home or or our office team members who may be choosing to zoom into meetings and stay at home, it's a it's a pretty pretty interesting uh, winter, unfortunately. And uh, so yeah, those ebbs and flows. But you know, Domino's team members are resilient. And despite many of these bleak outlooks, I'm endlessly impressed with how we keep rising to the challenges and, and the business actually is
1: still in reasonably good shape, which is really good. That's amazing. Part of grabbing Sam at the rally, uh, we had talked about double down, and I know you were kind of interested in that. What is your approach to well going for that double down mentality? Yeah, to me, it's still um, high volume
3: mentality. And for me, high volume mentality still comes back. To the very essence of Mr. Monaghan, which you know high-volume mentality is a more extreme version of just handle a rush because it goes to scale, you know, and um so for me, doubling down um is constantly removing the mental and physical bottlenecks in our business and getting scale. You know, but one one of the traps that we all fall into over time and every nobody's really immune from this is that in environments of deep change, uh we sometimes become risk averse. And we, we shrink and our, our mindsets, and we actually create a lot of mental and sometimes even leads to physical bottlenecks. Uh, but we can't forget that at Domino's, the best way to lead ourselves out of problems has always been to sell more pizza. So, yes, we have to charge more. We do because we have to pass through some of this to our customers. But volume by far beats you know, the, the cost and um, you know, I remember when 20,000 was an amazing target, but with, with time and and inflation, you don't want to be doing 20 grand today. You're not going to make any serious money. And I know in the US it's probably 30 and in some other markets it's most likely 40 that you should be shooting for. And, and maybe even better to talk about order counts is that, you know, we should be shooting for 1,200 to or 1,500 orders and, and then we're going to beat inflation. You know, we will we'll still pass price on through that. But um, so Double Down for me is... Accessing the customer, getting closer and closer to the customer with our stores, which means a lot more stores. So doubling down our store count, but it also means you know really leaning into order count growth. As a as when we sit here and we we sit with Russell's targets, um, that we blow them away because store count plus order count growth is a really easy way to compound and double down.
2: I think um, we got really. Uh, way too comfortable as well during COVID because of how much sales we were getting in, you know, everyone wanted delivery and we didn't really have to go and chase any sales. Uh, You know, both you and I grew up in a business, Don, that was very low volume. And, you know, I couldn't even tell you how many houses I went and door knocks to try and get the customer to buy a pizza from me and doing free deliveries to businesses just so they could meet me and like me and buy a pizza from me. And we're in a whole different generation of dominoids now where they they don't know what that's like. They just wait for the sales to come in. And I think it it kind of made us a little lazy over the last couple of years because we stopped doing all of the things that made us go chase sales. And now we're kind of in that zone where we, we got used to that and we liked all of the profits that came from that. And now the, the world's changed again into a different place where people are going through um, issues with cost pressures. And, you know, I, I can't even imagine what that's like in Europe but it's definitely happening here for sure where people are making different choices. And so we have to get back out in front of the customer again and become valuable and and become a part of the community and get back to doing all the things that made us great as dominoes, you know, meeting people at schools and communities and churches and all that kind of stuff, training a whole new team of dominoes how to do high volume because a lot of people have come in at a weird place where they haven't had 10 years of skill and we're, we're trying to push these volumes through our stores, but they just don't know how to do them. And so, I mean, as you know, we just came straight out of one of our customer order count driven days on the weekend where we pushed the store to the limit. Um, but with purpose to, to provide value for the customer, but also to get the team to get that muscle memory back, you know, have, trying to figure out how to do that many pizzas in such a short amount of time. Is so valuable because then they go into this Friday and then it looks easy. And now we can push the store to the next level again. And like you said, the only way to do it is to get more volume because the costs aren't going to change. They're going to keep going up. The only way to to fix it is to, to get more sales. And it's actually more fun to run a busier store. That's the thing that a lot of managers don't understand. They think it's hard or we try and manage the business down to what we can handle, but actually a super high volume store with lots of people in it that are well-trained is the most fun Domino's version that you can have of Domino's. (laughs) I don't want to work in a small store with like two people in it. That's just boring.
1: If you're the GM in that low volume mentality and all you know is the, and I'm, I'm air quotes for the listeners is the, I am not staffed and there's only three of us ever on the clock or four of us ever on the clock getting the high volume. You have no idea how to get there. So the key part that you said there is with that team, right? It's it's all about bringing in all the people we can that want to be on the team so that we can grow the order count, so we can run the yeah. business, so it can in be people fun. people from
2: other stores, you know, to fake a, a perfect store so they can see what it feels like. Because a lot of people haven't actually worked in a store that's well-staffed and fun. So we bring team members from other stores in for that special day And the focus is on everyone having a great time, aces in places, and then everyone can see what it feels like. They can actually touch it and then they want that and they know how to go build it after that because, you know, they don't know how to do that from the start. And that's been something that I've done since back when I was, you know, being a GM back in Australia. We would send people to, you know, uh, the Caboolture store, which was the busiest store at the time, to just go work the make line and see what it's like to to get that many hands on pizzas because we just physically didn't have the volume back then.
3: And you hit on a really interesting point there, Drew, is that, okay, so globally right now, inflation is global. It's variable in different markets, but it's a global phenomenon. It's not an exception to America or to Europe or somewhere else. Globally, in the Western world, there's a labor shortage, and, and it's global. You you don't go into any market that I visit, and I visit you know all sorts of very diverse countries. Every single market has got a, a significant labor shortage. So then you ask, well, who's winning and how are they winning? And there's a simple formula, and it's the same formula in every single case. And it goes back to high volume mentality. The first thing is in a very tight labor market, you know, what are you paying your people? Are you actually, you know, getting to the top end of the market to get people and getting the quality of people? So I can tell you that as we just acquired Malaysia and Singapore um, last week, and uh the previous Master French, here, fantastic guy he shunt in. In the three months before settlement, he allowed us to do a lot of testing. And we were able, you know, what's the biggest problems in Malaysia and Singapore? You can't stop your stores. And Singapore, absolute crisis. Most stores, one, two, three drivers if you're lucky. And so by paying more, we've been able to start the stores up. We've been able to take delivery times. To, and it goes in this cycle. You start with paying people more. You then get people in. Now you've got to retain them because you've got to be a great place to work. Well, how do you retain them? Training. There's an absolute correlation between how well someone is trained and how much they love the business. Because the higher their skills, the better they feel, and then they get attached. So and especially if you then start even reporting more training, because someone who's really well trained makes less mistakes and is far more productive. So why not pay them a little bit more? Because that's also worth keeping them rather than starting with somebody new. And then then the third factor of that is now you're starting to fill your stores, your delivery times are improving a lot. In our first test in, in Singapore, we took the delivery time from simply carry thirty two minutes I think down to eighteen minutes. Now you start to see order count growth. You also can start um, charging a little bit more to the customer because now you're the only one in town delivering in under twenty minutes. Um, so why not pay you you know charge the customer a little bit more because they're getting the benefit and and you'll find the sweet spot with that. And then through volume of orders plus getting a little bit more on your ticket, you cover those wages. And, of course, that's got to flow through to managers and in-stores. It's not just exclusively drivers once you start doing that. And I'll, and I'll give you another example. So I just got an email this morning from our Malaysian CEO, and he said, we've doubled our – our every everywhere's um, renumerates differently, but from $2.50 ringgit to 5 ringgit for per delivery, and then from 7 ringgit to $10 ringgit in wages, and there's 250 stores in Malaysia. We've now only got 46 stores not staffed. And this has only been a few weeks, you know. So, and and you know that those forty six dollars are going to get staff. And then, so the natural question of every single franchisee listening to this is, Don, you're like the great Satan, suggesting we should be paying more, and knowing that managers are listening to this. But you know, then you say, well, how is that playing out in the food and labor? And you know, and that's why this cycle it's it's a, it's a three package deal. You get more people, you train them really hard. You um, you go hard up your delivery time. Don't happen on their own. You can start your store up you still got the same delivery time because they're all still working in the old format. You've got to chase it down, charge a little bit more. And, you know, my experience is that through leverage, um, like the first store in Singapore literally went up 50% and um, you get all that leverage back into to the business, right, from the fixed and semi-fixed cost, and we make a lot more money. Um, and Kerry's a living proof of that in the US you know, with the Charleston Augusta stores. You know what? I think I like that you said best is a lot of people say
0: the solution to the labor problem is pay more. That was your first part of the solution. So so what I got out of what you just said, Don, was we've got to pay them to get them in the door. Once we've got them in the door, we've got to train them. And once they're trained, we can grow the business. And then once the business is growing and we're doing well and we've lowered our delivery times, then we can start to charge more. And then that takes care of the pain them more. Drew and I have both been spending a lot of time in Salt Lake City with Mike Rompel. And Mike is huge on this whole mutually beneficial relationship. And he wants a mutually beneficial relationship with the customers as well, which means we're going to do our part, but you have to do your part as well, which is you've got to pay a fair value for what we're delivering. But we've got to do our part first. And I really like the way you put this. We got to pay them, we got to train them. We got to grow the business. And then we can charge for something that's realistic. And I think sometimes we're I think sometimes we're doing that backwards. We're raising our prices hoping that we can then pay people and then nobody's going to buy pizza from us because our pizza is too expensive and
3: we suck. We call this a better slice for everybody. Everybody should win, right? So let's go through that cycle. So you start with your team members. So they start getting paid more. And, and straight away, the manager' job's a lot easier. And in fact, there's even future managers walking the door because on higher pay, you also get better quality people. But then also, we then pay the manager a little bit more. But before you know it, as the sales are starting to climb and we start chasing the volume, the profit goes up, so their bonuses go up as well. Then the franchisees also winning because now the profits are up. So the franchisees winning, the managers winning, the team members winning. Now the customers, they just they're the ultimate people to decide because if they're not going to be buying more from you, if it isn't better. So if they think that for an extra fifty cents or a dollar. Um, it's worth 18-minute service, well, they're going to pay for it, right? And if they don't, then you've got to ask, okay, well, how do I still find the better slice for everybody here? Have I gone too far? You know. But if the customers are winning, team members are winning, managers are winning, franchisees are winning, I don't see a problem here. I remember Kerry sending me a photo where she shows me the car park and all her managers have brand-new cars, you know, Dodge Rams and Chargers and all this sort of stuff. Well, they're winning. Team right. members are getting paid two and a half times the market rate.
2: We're buying houses now.
3: Stars are up, customer's winning. I don't see a problem here. Who's, who's not winning?
2: The hard part is taking the step. That first step is the hard one. And it, it, does, it does hurt for the first month when you do the first one. But once you start to realize that you have to meet with your managers and ask of them, like don't just hand the payout. And we did it one store at a time when we first did it, where we met with the store and said, here's where we're at, here's where we need to be, and here's how we pay everyone more, come on the journey with us. So we asked that of them. And then every time we changed the pay rate, their labor actually went down because they started to control it better because they knew what they needed to do. They know they need to push sales. And, you know, we're in a very high tourist market, which makes a, a technically a disloyal team member. We're also in the food industry, which has high turnover. And we're also going into the Christmas period, which is the highest amount of turnover that we see in team members. And we just had our managers meeting this week and we had nine stores out of 14 that didn't lose a single team member. Not one. Wow. No drivers, no insiders, nine out of the 14. And the ones that did lose them. I only lost one or two and it's, you know, people moving into state or we have a military store where they are just moving around. But, you know, we give our awards out to our managers for being family first and that was a great team photo. And my goal is to get all 14 managers up (laughs) there for the next one. But in a time when people are disloyal and moving around and job popping and don't want to work and all that sort of stuff, we've managed to create a formula where people want to stay and actually, um, by lifting all of those rates, you've now got a a career and people taking it seriously that they're scared to lose their job versus the other way around. And it makes it a completely different business to run. And, you know, Don, ever since I've been here, Don's just said, why don't you pay more? Why don't you pay more? And I was always, well, you don't understand the tipping and the insurance and I can't make it work. And, he was right, you know, and, and twice we've taken that leap. We took it in March last year and we just um, have completed doing that again now because everyone else had caught up with us. And you do reach that place. That's the sweet spot. And I can't tell you what that number is. you got to go look in your area, see what your competitors are paying, not what the government says you should pay, because my two states are the lowest minimum wage states. If I was still paying $5 an hour right now, I wouldn't have team members. Let me tell you that we pay a lot more than that. You got to go see what everybody else is doing. The people who are competing for your business. And now you've got the Chick-fil-A's, the McDonald's, all hiring driving crews who are competing with us. Target even has their own delivery drivers, kind of like a pizza. You order it online and then it's delivered to your door within, you know, 30 minutes by a delivery driver. It's insane. So that's what you're competing against. Go find out what those things are and then go get those people. I had a store that I I just could not get drivers, could not. And I delivered pizza a couple of Fridays in a row. And the only people I saw on the road were delivery drivers, but not mine. So I'm saying, well, there there are delivery drivers out there. We're just not paying enough to go get them. So we went, raised our rate. And then we went and started putting flyers on the cars in their car park. Well, guess what? I've got drivers at that store now. And by the way, they actually like working more for me because it's more fun. So they're not going to go anywhere.
1: You had mentioned the training piece and the retention piece. And I know when we've taught sales classes in the past, we always talk about the leaky bucket, right? That we want the customers to come in through acquisition and we want to keep them. And our team members are kind of the same. And I know um, it was the um, National Restaurant Association here in the U.S. in 2019, their number for turnover was $5,862 per team member in cost between lost productivity, advertising for the team member, wages and hiring and all that. And if you think about it, if I mean, turning over 20 people in a store, it's a hundred thousand dollars a store. You can make the push that that the most important thing we can do as leaders, as owners, is to try and, and reduce that turnover.
2: We've put a lot of time in the selection of the team member too. You know, we did that interview video and the guide, and that was the most requested thing from managers. I think I've sent out that about 500 times now. But when you do have a smaller team and it's not as big as what you need it to be, every single person that you bring into that family has to fit, Right. You know, like you you bring a stranger into your house and you don't know anything about them, weird stuff happens, right? So it's the same for the team member coming into our family. They have to be a fit for our team. They can't just be another body that fills a spot because that ruins the whole dynamic to the team. It has to be a well-oiled machine now. So we, we are hiring a lot less team members, but that's not because we're getting less application. We're just being a lot more selective. And our guys are doing a really good job at using that interview guide to ask the right questions. They get the wildest answers from team members. Just by using those those guys, instead of them doing all the talking and trying to upsell the job, they're asking the team member about them and finding out if they're a fit or not.
3: I think the other thing that where this fails, and even when Kerry did it the very first time and it, she would say, Don, it's not working, is if you only take the rate up $1 in the market, you're probably not going to move anything. You've actually got to show some materiality to what the other market rates are. And as Kerry said, it's not necessarily minimum wage, it's what is everybody else paying. So the sweet spot is is something that's above and it's got to be notably above the market to shift the market. And before you know it, all your competitors are drained. All their best drivers are like, well, why am I working for you for 10 bucks? And up the road, they're paying 13, you know, doing the exact same job. And by the way, they're getting trained.
2: We found that spot that you were talking about where all of a sudden the applicant looks different. People are taking it more seriously you're getting more people in the bucket. Now we're still getting, you know, a hundred applicants, but only five show up for an interview, but you've got more coming in to choose from instead of just having none at all. But there's definitely that spot that you hit and it's a different number for everyone, but we finally found what you are talking about where all of a sudden that change happens and you can feel it. It's got to figure out how to execute it.
0: I think what's really important for our listeners, because I can almost guarantee you, gang, we've got somebody out there that said Don May said pay people more and we'll be successful. You got to hit the other pieces too. The other pieces are as important, if not more important than the raising the pay. And that's training your people when you get there, make sure you grow the business and then charge a fair price. Because if you don't do those things
2: and have a plan for rolling it out.
0: Yeah. You got to have a plan for the whole thing, because if you simply pay people more,
3: you're simply just going to be paying people more. And and you just missed one other one. So yeah, you're paying, you, the customer now starts paying a fair price, but you're also chasing volume. Right, You've got to unleash the volume. And that's another one that gets missed because as Kerry said, the muscle memory, you think in the three years since the beginning of the pandemic, how many new people are in Domino's right now? You, know, you see it at a rally every time. How many right. people put up their new? With the turnover that's happened because of the environment we're in, it wouldn't be unfair to assume that 75% of the people in a Domino's store today and maybe even more didn't exist before that. So, so they don't know, as Kerry said, how to chase volume. They're not. And to be honest, it's been a pain in the butt to get volume because I couldn't handle it. Well, let's right. break this muscle memory. We can now handle it. And we need to be more efficient with, with now that we all are being looked after and everybody's winning. And now let's go get the volume. But if you don't do that last part, then the franchisee is not going to win. The manager's not going to earn the bonuses. Then that's not fair for everybody. Right. The franchisee is going, well, my team members are happy, my customers are happy, but I'm making less money. That's not fair everybody's got to win.
2: And here's the crazy thing is that when I look at what I would call a high volume store and the kind of pie counts that we used to do when I was a manager, like 20 years ago, I don't even have a single store that does that in a half hour now. And I'm doing way more volume now than I was back then. It's because we're charging so much, but to the customer that we're actually not working as hard to get that sales to come in. So we have so much more capacity to do more because we have bigger stores, we have more ovens, You know, we have all of these systems that are being created that save time over time. we stop stopped thinking about how many steps we take to do everything and how having two hands making a pizza is faster than one. We just want to make all the pizzas ourselves again because the pie count isn't that high. But actually, we need to get back to those things that that create that saving of time and make it more efficient.
0: I think part of the problem is exactly what Don mentioned is that... I would say 75% is a fair number of people that weren't here pre-pandemic. And I don't know, Carrie, that necessarily the kids in the store are lazy. I just don't think they have had the same luxury that the four of us had coming up of having somebody at our shoulder that understood high volume mentality, somebody that constantly talked about Mr. Monahan and handling the rush and every pizza is a rush.
2: I don't mean it's not working hard. They work way too hard. Right. I mean, as in um, understanding the principles and using the principles that make us fast. Exactly. For
0: us old timers that are left, if we do nothing else, and Don, you said this the first time we got together, is we need to pass Domino's pizza on so that it's better than when we got it. And I think for us, those of us that are are left with the Tom Monaghan legacy, that's our responsibility now is to teach the folks now that we're through this buckle up and hold on time to know we don't just buckle up, we strap in and we go out and we get it. And I, I think that's where we've got to get to again.
3: It's your obligation. It's your obligation as a domino. It gets frustrating to me when some people retire and stay in the business in their minds as well. And they don't really, know, someone might be saying, well, I've worked so hard all my life and now I'm just going to cash out towards this last moment. And, and then everybody's losing because the customer's losing, team members losing, managers losing, you know. I'm in here 35 years and people say, don't haven't you made enough money and so on. I'm saying, yeah, but I'm, I'm loving the journey. And I I still feel that obligation. It's in my heart. And, you know, all the success that I've been able to enjoy um, is because of the people that have come before. And, you know, and so I owe them, but I also now owe the current people that, you know, obligation to be able to, to, to understand what makes a great Domino's business. I like that a lot. And talking about obligation,
0: let's switch gears just a little bit to something a little bit lighter. Um, Apparently, you felt an obligation to the folks of Australia and New Zealand with your latest advertising campaign. What can you tell us about your uh, blanket apology for too many gosh darn good deals?
2: I got in trouble for that. (laughs) You got in trouble? I did because I played it for my team and they're like, Wow, well, Kerry, everyone's right. You have lost your Australian accent. You don't sound anything like your brother anymore. <laughs>
3: <laughs> it's really funny. I? I sound more Australian than that. It's, it's, uh, just you map yourself to where you are. But anyway, yeah, the reality is we have a wallet that's launching on the 12th of December, and the wallet is the one-stop shop place inside the app where you can either store vouchers that you have found or we're going to insert offers in there. So you know, you forget looking for coupons, forget that I go to the, some other website. If I open my app, the wallet's sitting there and my offers are there. So it's a little bit of, uh, you know, fun and tension, but it's also real that in our business, because we still use the letterbox a lot, that customers feel cheated that often they go to get their best coupon and it's expired or they wear other coupons. I feel like if I don't have a deal, Domino's going to rip me off because our menu prices are such a big difference to our coupon prices. So it's based in a real tension And it is ridiculous to think last year we put out 2,900 offers. I mean, seriously, it's embarrassing that we did that, right? (laughs) Um, And so the launch of the wallet is a huge breakthrough for our um, app customers. And um, yeah, that's why we're apologizing for being so silly. Well, here in the States, we had one offer for 12 years. And and maybe that was too few. No, I don't know. It worked. French made more money every year year after year. I think that was a brilliant strategy you know, to, to just know that offer exists. One of the things the team, and, you know, Domino's, we're always a, you know, Patrick said this, Russell said this, Rich would say it, is that we're always a brand in continuous improvement. We never arrive, right? We're a work in progress company. And sometimes you do reflect and and in the process of making this company better and better and better over time. And, yeah, how ridiculous.
1: I was just going to make a joke that, you know, somewhere there's a person in marketing that's like, there's 2,970 segments of the population. We have to have all these coupons.
2: (laughs) You know what I find really interesting, though, is that, um, you know, all of us, combined, it's probably over a hundred years of Domino's experience on this call right now. And it's funny how we keep learning, but it's, it's the same lessons all the time. It's just learning a different way. You know, like the order count thing versus pricing. I think I've learned that in Australia, in the UK here, like it just it, go, it keeps going around in circles and somehow we, we forget How we get to this place, and and we've got to make sure all those lessons get transferred on, so we don't keep making the same mistakes. And you know, like Don was saying, down—it's our uh, to hand down that information to the next generation, so they don't have to keep learning expensive mistakes all the time.
1: If I may, it's—it's not that we forget; it's that we rationalize that because we went from—I mean, I I had a store as a GM 24 years ago that was doing four thousand dollars when I walked in the door. So we can rationalize today that what I did then, I should have to do something different today. And I actually don't. It's such a simple business. And we we try and rationalize making it more difficult or more complicated as we get busier, because it kind of allows an okay window for failure instead of going the other way of we just have to buckle down into into the product and the service and the image to push through because that's. That's what gets us there in the first place.
2: Customers want the same thing, no matter which country you work in. I worked in multiple countries. Don's now working in so many different countries. Customers all want the same thing. Team members all want the same thing. Doesn't matter what language they speak. You know, I've worked in all English speaking countries, but completely different cultures. And everyone says, how do you do do that? (laughs) How do you struggle (laughs) with that? And you don't, you know, if you fundamentally care about the customer, care about your team member, you always get to the place you need to be. That, But that's what you got to do is you've got to be invested in it. Like Don said, you can't run it from remote control, which unfortunately when we get high sales, sometimes, you know, the, the money comes in and we step back from the business and we absolutely can't. It's not that kind of business. You can do that.
0: Yeah, I think that's so true. It's a hands-on business. And if your hands aren't on, you probably ought to pass it along to someone else. Did I say that out loud? I think I did.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yep.
0: Well, listen, Don, this has been fantastic. Thank you so much. I think we uh, uh, asked for 30 minutes and we're at 33. And again, you've been so gracious with your time. We really, really appreciate it. Carrie, it's always a joy to have you on. I think you are uh, our number one guest now. This is your fourth time on the podcast. We're, we're going to have to talk, call this Drew, Sam,
3: and Carrie talk training moving <laughs> forward. I do, uh, I do have one more thing if you want me to share it. Absolutely. When I travel ever since May this year, there's two things. And I'll be doing this. I'm off to of Taiwan tomorrow, and then I'll be in Malaysia, Singapore over the next two weeks. And every time I'm in a store and every time I'm in my meeting, I'm going to talk about two things, and they relate back to one thing. If you would, if I would have known this 30 years ago, DPE would be twice the size. And and the two things is this. And, and I think because one of the things we do in Domino's is we can measure so many things. That often there's charts on walls. We're talking to managers, and there's here's the 12 things, you know, food, labor, um, load times, you know, rack times, out-the-door time. We've got so many things, right? That we just talk now. Which one's the most important? And what what I've learned in in this year is that if you were to at the end of the um order, the customer rates our product out of five stars in our app. And if you would have told me a year ago that the difference between a 4.2 star product out of five and a 4.5 was daylight in, a, in the NPS perspective, I would have said, that doesn't seem right to me. But actually, it is daylight. And so one of the things that we're obsessed with, if we're charging the customer. We've also got to execute, which is through training, but the customer needs to get that better service and they need to get that better product. And so the, the two things that drive NPS, which drives sales extraordinarily is a product that's 4.5 stars or better, and a delivery that's 18 minutes or less. Now, why is it not 21 minutes? Same with the product. At 4.2, you're basically averaging an eight, which means you're a neutral customer. In fact, if you've got product ratings and you go into um, into your uh, pulse and have a look at your product ratings, if you're in the threes, you've probably even got detractors. But when you hit 4.5, you're now nine, and everything above 4.5, you're now into the nine to 10. And... We literally, in all markets, watch a J-curve. So when I go to stores, we print out, show us your product skills and show us your NPS and show us your delivery times. Because, you know, Robert gavin had it right in the manual world without all the data analysis, or maybe he was doing his own data in the background. But at 18 minutes, it also goes into a J-curve straight north. And they're both linked because an 18-minute pizza is often a better pizza anyway. When we 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 have a club called 1845 now, which is you know 80 minutes and 4.5 or 1845. Because if you get those two things right, sales are extraordinary. So if you're trying to charge your customer more and wondering why your sales are negative right now, firstly things I'd look at would be that delivery time and the product rating. And of course, then you're going to say, well, I can't staff my That's why my delivery time. So that's why it's high volume mentality. All the conversations we've just had. But the product is the other really big one. So we talked a little bit about staffing to, on this call. And that's going to really work hard to your delivery times. And that's what we've, we've, we've been obsessed with for Domino's for so many years. But that product is the other really big one. It's, I'm just obsessed with it now because constantly I can go in a store and say, look at last week. You, on this day, you had a 3.8 and look at your MPS, it's 10. And on this night, you were 4.6 on your product and your MPS is 60. Now, what happens when we go into stores where you're seeing 40 to 60 MPSs or some stores are 80, 90 MPS? Their sales are double digits. It's just such a huge learning.
0: And if you think about it, I mean, it really makes sense. At Domino's Pizza, we're a restaurant. We serve food. The food has to be good. And people order food when they're hungry. So we should serve it fast. It's not rocket science that those two things are so important. And if we could get in a time machine and go back to 1960, Tom would say, make great food and deliver it fast and you'll be successful. And, you know, here we are 65 years later trying to convince the new generation that you should make great food and deliver it fast. And I love that you're obsessed on that. And I love that you said that to me, those are the two most important things. Can you make good food and
3: can you deliver it quickly? And and what we have today, Sam, is we have with all of our technology in our stores and the customer feedback that's so constant. And we should be chasing some box stoppers as well and so on to try and get more feedback so we know. Um, you know, like the old Frank Meeks yes/no box stoppers. As I said, the, the big intrinsic difference here, that from what I used to know, is yeah, our new product was was so important. but Four point two to four point five is is massively different. Yeah, it is because at that point, the average that the customers rewarding you with is they're saying now I'm a promoter. Once I give you an average of four point five or better, Domino's, you're doing a really good job, and I really like you. That's the big breakthrough for me was and and even eighteen minutes versus twenty minutes or twenty one minutes. At 21 minutes, you're neutral. You don't dislike dominoes. It's good, but it's, you're not a raving fan. You're not a promoter. Yeah. And if you want to drive your business, you've got to shift into that 80 or better 40, 4.5 and above. And, um,
1: and, and I think that's the additional information that I learned this year that I'm now obsessed about. If that's what you learned, then I'm going to hold you maybe to something that you mentioned the last time we were together Mm. where I believe you said getting rid of the heat rack wasn't good enough. You were trying to get the drivers into the store. So have you gotten there? Have you built a store yet where the pizzas come out and the drivers just kind of wheel up to the end of the oven? (laughs) It's almost, we still have council issues, but you know, Japan still leads by far. If you look on any given week, the top stores in the
3: world, they're mostly led by Japan and Japan has been the most innovative with getting the e-bike close, really close. So we've got some that are like three or four foot, but there's still a divider for food safety between the external and the internal. But yeah, it's a dream. It's a dream. You know, one of the things I, I saw, I was in Guatemala last week, one of the best operations I've ever seen 200 stores the way down there. What an amazing, amazing franchisee. His drivers were using backpacks for their e-bikes and, and they're really, really good. They're like boxes that you put on your back to jump on the e-bike. And that was another thought. I took heaps of videos and photos and I've sent them to all my team and we're going to do some testing. But that was getting close because if you can load straight into the driver backpack and then he hops on the bike, that's almost the same thing, right? Right. The backpacks at the cut table, load straight in, close the backpack and you're out. And I thought you've seen the Ubers of the world and stuff in different countries that have various versions of this, but this was the best I'd ever seen. And the image was fantastic because of all the reflection on it and and you sat on the bike and just took off. So I think there's something in that. Maybe we've been trying to get the bike close to, but maybe we've just got to get the hot box, the hot bag, the hot box on the back close to the cup table and straight out.
0: That's amazing. And the more people we get into finding the formula, the closer we get. I, I, I mean, like Kerry said, we've got probably 150 years on this phone call right now between the four of us.
1: Mostly that's just Sam. Thanks. I appreciate <laughs> you that. <will>. True.
0: <laughs> never, <laughs> never miss a shot. Do you? Nope. Nope. Never. <laughs> you know, some of these, some of these new folks have got really good ideas. And I, I think the best leaders in the world are open to taking ideas from everyone. And there's no way Domino's pizza enterprises is, is, is as successful if it, as
3: it is, if the only di- ideas came from Don. Oh, absolutely. And and all innovation is coming out of the stores. It's just with the vision, people rise to the vision, having a mission, you know, visions and missions that, that belong both for the company but also for the stores is what then drives the behavior to discover, right? Because it opens minds. You know, DPE's been highly innovative only because it has the vision and mission, but the innovation comes out of the, the team. The US is pretty well close to going $15 average, right? That's pretty well where it's going. And, you know, I was at a dinner last night. Um, in California where they're talking about a $40 wage in California, right? And just, wow, okay, that's interesting. Um, So rather than run from that, you know, one of the things to be thinking about, at $15 every minute is $0.25, and the average Domino store is probably making about $3. So these minutes matter. When you're getting these boxes close to the cut table and that driver's driving straight on the road versus, do you know how many minutes And I challenge any manager listening to this tonight, go out there, get a stopwatch and time how long it takes to get that car out of that car park. So from the minute that driver is in the store, gets the hot bag, how long does it take in a normal procedure, not some little race that you've done just for one test, do it as they're really doing it, and you'll be horrified to find out that the the, uh, car stores lose three to five minutes both ways in the car park. You know, getting closing the door, walking back around, starting the car, reversing out, trying to get out of the car park. Now you think about that. Five minutes, it's a buck twenty-five on a business that makes three bucks. What happens if that was from the cut table and already on the road within one to two minutes? You know, what a difference to profitability. And there's even worse stalls where the car parks are so hidden, they're so far away, there's seven or eight minutes of between there and back, you know, total. So anyway, I ran and raved a bit too much. I just thought I'd add that value in there. But we, you know, this sort of stuff matters and it matters a lot. It always has, but we just, we're just smarter now with information. You know, when I've I've, as you probably know, I've interviewed Mr. Monahan a lot because I'm trying to get as much material as I can for the future. And he, he he's just amazed with the technology we have today. And you know if Mr. Monahan was running the company today, what he would be doing with that information. And so, you know, when we're when we're showing him that you know stores are doing sub-ten minute deliveries constantly, and so on, he's just blown away. Um, but what we're doing as custodians is taking Mister Mindahan's mindset and applying it with the new tools of the day, and that's our, that is what we're obligated to do. You know, um, the past benchmarks are past. I think we've got much better
0: tools today, and we have to make the people using the tools as passionate about the business as we were before we had all the tools. I think if you put the passion of yesterday with the tools of today,
3: we may be the last pizza company in the world. (laughs) So we'll just dominate. Of course, of course, you know, from the the right spoodle and the training on how to use that spoodle, the right cut blade to the size of the cut table, the cut table to the dispatch to the kind of way it's getting to that hot bag and then what kind of vehicle should it be on and how big should the delivery areas be and how much training? I mean, how, who does area knowledge test today? You know, we get a new team member. They have no area knowledge test. When I started as a driver, you had to pass area knowledge test before you're allowed to drive because there's so many different routes in your area that may not be just logical. And at different times of day, they change. You know, and all this matters because we're in a business where – You know, labor's just skyrocketing. What is it going to be by the end of this decade? We can either winch and complain about it or be the best at it and happily be leading in pay and and so profitable because of it. I couldn't agree more. We're always
0: very, very grateful for the time you give us. And you too, Kerry, thank you so much. Thank you. Don, it's just been an amazing pleasure. It's always good to spend time with you. We
1: really, really appreciate it. Thank you, gentlemen. Good luck. Thanks. Thanks, Kerry. Good seeing you. All right, we'll see you again soon. What a fabulous conversation we had right there, Sam. 45 minutes with two globally known world dominoes leaders.
0: Yeah, you know what, uh, Coach Harbaugh, you know what he would say right now? Beat Ohio? No, we already did that quite convincingly. He'd say, who's got it better than us? I mean, that conversation was amazing. I, I just am over the moon at how many influential Domino's Pizza people are willing to come on and talk to us. And it seems like every time I learn something and uh, I'm just so, so grateful that, you know, gosh, almost two years ago now, Drew, you put out a post on Facebook that says, has anybody ever done a podcast? And I thought to myself, I'm going to reach out to him and see if he wants to do one together. And and here we are two years later, 31,000 downloads later, just an amazing list of guests. And um, I think now is as good a time as any uh, to thank you because the ride has been just amazing. And I look forward to the upcoming year.
1: I thank you as well, because our conversations, just the two of us are great. And then we bring in other people and it's still amazing. Uh, so with that, let's thank our fans. And the best way we can thank you is by putting out more of these. Is that really the best way we can thank them? It, it seems to be. Then then please like us, share with your friends, follow us, download them, subscribe, do everything you can, because the more people that, that check this out, the more we can get other outside guests that interest some of you. As we mentioned in the interview, you just heard with John Gordon trying to get John. Come on, John, you can do it. I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting.
0: And I'm Sam with Bowser Consulting. Hey, gang, as always, go out and sell more pizza. And have more fun. That's all, folks.